Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey legends and welcome to the Celtic Get Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight are Shane and Liam. How are you Shane? I'm doing all right. Thanks Jared. I've had a bit of a, a bit of a uh, a cold, had a bit of a dreaded lurgy, so I'm uh, I'm feeling good. I sound worse than I feel. Um, and so it's everyone tuning in. Apologies. You're going to have to put up with a even more nasally voiced version of me. So apologies in advance, everyone. They won't even notice, mate. They'll just think it's the Aussie accent. <laughs> <laughs> How are good you, cover. Liam? Oh, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, yeah, I uh, had really, really bad toothache over the weekend, but I just remembered it could be worse. I could be a Sefco fan, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sound effect worked. Perfect. Hey. Well, we'll be talking about that lot later on when we bring in the old zombie watch. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, be fun, but to start off, just want to wish everyone tuning in over in Scotland a happy St Andrew's Day. Hope you all have a great day and uh, get your independence sorted already. Yep. Now, it's been a bit of a slow week, World Cup, no Celtic games, so I have no idea how long this podcast is going to go for, so yes, if, those, if you haven't already done so and you're tuning in, please hit the subscribe button through your podcast app. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe there, hit the bell for notifications and like it as well because it'll help us in the algorithm if you can. Appreciate it. Morning, Sean. Morning, Jared in the comments there. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in. So, Liam, mm. we're going to talk about this last week, but I wanted to wait until you were on. Okay. Celtic signed, Celtic signed Yuki Kobayashi from Vissel Kobe on a five-year deal. Left-sided mm. centre-back. 22 years old on a free transfer. 
The floor is yours. Tell us all about him. It's a superb bit of business. Not just are we getting one of Japan's best up-and-coming young defenders, we're getting them for uh, a free transfer. So it's some fantastic business. How Vissel Kobe let that boy's con- contract run down without doing anything about it is beyond me. Um, because he is he is going to be a star of the Japan national team in the years ahead. Um, he is most likely the natural heir to the likes of uh, Maya Yoshida, who is coming towards the end of his career um, in the Japan defence. And um, he's quite versatile. He can play um, in, on the left side of a back three as well as playing centre-back. So, uh, um, you know, he's also being touted as a possible future heir to uh, uh, Yuta Nagatomo, who is um, the current Japanese left-back. So, uh, yeah, he is an excellent prospect. Um very very exciting signing and uh hopefully it's uh hopefully there's more to come because i've been hearing there's a couple of other japanese players we might be in for after the world cup yeah i've heard um heard some similar stuff as well in the grapevine but for me the thing with the signing is we signed kyogo and he had a mentor in iniesta at kobe mm. and kobayashi has been mentored under uh was it jan vertongen isn't it mm. So it's a pretty good guy to have as your mentor. You know, maybe not playing as much, but there to train under and learn from and that. So sets him up nicely to move forward into, I mean, he's moving to Europe and he didn't come through the university system. So he's got over 100 first team games already as well. Yeah, it's a great, great bit of business all around. I really can't find any fault in it. Yeah, happy with the signing. He's a lot taller than he looks as well, like, I thought he'd be short, but you see he's like six, listed at six one or something like that, or six two, mm. so that's pretty decent. Um, the question off the back of that, though, is, and I'm going to throw to you, Shane, with the signing of Kobayashi, how does our our, our centre-back partnerships play out for you? Does it work out as who's your starters, who's your backups? Off you go. Starters, uh, pretty much, well, you put CCV in as your starter each and every time, and then you're just kind of like, well, who partners him? Um, for me, I probably lean towards right now CCV and Starfelt, but, uh, you know, just listening to Liam talk about Kobayashi, he sounds like a really exciting prospect um, and, and one that I think we can have really, really high hopes for. Um, so if he... Uh, if he does well, and it might take him a little bit of time to get up to speed, it might be that he partners Cameron Carter-Vickers uh, instead of, say, Starfelt. And I guess that sort of leads to, well, who would be your backups? Well, Starfelt's, uh, you know, more than capable if he's going to play second fiddle, so that's fine there. I think it really comes down to between Jens and Welsh and what that means for uh, potentially one of them, maybe even both of them. Um think more than likely I've been thinking about this about where where what this would mean for mainly either Jens or Welsh I think it might mean that maybe Jens isn't picked up at that because he for, unless I'm mistaken he's on a loan with an option to buy um, I think that would mean that he probably isn't signed and uh, Kobayashi comes in you've got staff out you've got CCV and then you've got Welsh for cover, um, and he probably goes out on loan. So I don't know. I think it probably, unless Jens really 
um, has a good end to the season. I'm not too sure he will be around come next season. And Liam, what do you reckon? Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree with that. And it's a shame because I rate Jens as a player, but I think um, at the moment, if you're talking about partnerships, Starfelt and Carter Vickers is the best partnership. It's up to Kobayashi to come in and disrupt that. Um, but I think you would not be signing another centre-back if you were of a mind to keep Jens beyond the, this season. So, yeah, I don't, and you know, unless Celtic were going to switch to a back three, which I really don't think we would do. So, um, no, I, I think um, either either there's a surprise bid comes in for Starfelt in January or he ends his away at the end of the season, one of the two. I'll look at it and go, there's two options here. Either it's going to be, and I'm going to separate the two of them. Option number one is Carter Vickers and Starfelt, that's our starting back pairing. So option one is, does Carter Vickers move on at the end of the season? And we sign Jens permanently. Or option two, Kobayashi comes in and Welsh goes out on loan to get a run of games. And then we then we assess the situation at the end of the season. Are we going to pick up Jens? Is Carter Vickers going to stay around? And how we want to tackle it? I think it's going to be one of those two situations. So mm-hmm. we've got to have an answer to both of them by the end of the season. Yeah, and so off the back of that then, I'm going to roll this into the silly the silly people on Twitter. <laughs> I read this one and I go, these guys on there saying this are a bunch of silly sausages. I think you were on Axon talking about the other day, Liam, as well. Mm. Anyone who thinks Ryan Porteous is going to come to us? <laughs> no, come on. I don't want to hear that shit. No. Do not want to be hearing it. The type of player he is, yeah, it'd be good to have someone to wind wind up that mob across the town. Mm. But when you've got a guy like, I think it's Harry Suter playing for Australia from Stoke City, he's been linked to moves into the EPL. Stoke are being linked with bringing Porteous in to replace him. Millwall are being linked with Porteous. Those are two championship clubs in England who'll probably be able to match or better whatever wages we offer. He's not going to come to us. He's not going to go across to Sevco. He's going to go down south. But I just don't want to hear him, the rumours of Porteous coming to us because I don't see how he gets into the team in front of Carter Vickers, Starfelt, Jens. I don't know about Kobayashi, so I'm ruling him out. So he'd be at least the four-string centre-back. Mm. Makes no sense. Unless unless Welsh is going out the door in January, we don't know that yet, and we need to bring someone in to keep up the Scottish quota. I would throw some law. Well, by next year, will be his third year at the club, which means he counts as local homegrown, even though he's Ooh, English. Right, English is Irish, course, but yeah. he came through the English Academy at Watford. Mm-hmm. He would still technically tick the box as a, a homegrown player because he's from the UK. Right, for for UEFA, so mm. that's that's the workaround there. And after seeing Lawwell down here, he's mm. big, he's quick, he's an athlete. I want to see him get a run in the first team. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think on the on the couple of times we've seen him, he's actually shown a fair bit. 
Um, I'm looking forward to him actually getting more of an opportunity. What do you reckon, Liam? Yeah, um, I I like what I've, I've not seen much, but I like what I have seen, and I'm interested to see more of him. Um, he's one of those guys that I think if things continue to go well in the league and we have the championship wrapped up with a few games to spare, that's the sort of guy I could definitely see getting a run out for hopefully two or three games at the end of the year. Or we just lock it all up, you know, by the end of February, early March, and then he's got a couple of months' worth, you know. (laughs) Seeing him and seeing Rocco Varda in the flesh down here playing, Hmm. those guys aren't far off being able to contribute off the bench in our current squad. I'm not saying they're going to be starters. They're not at the level of the guys who are at the World Cup. Mm. Or Rocco's not at, at Jota's level. Orwell's yeah. not at Carter Vickers' level. But they are good enough to be in our match day squad and get, get appearances over the next season. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. The issue is you're not you're not truly going to see how good these guys are until they have it on a first-team games because with the greatest respect, the B team playing in the Lowland League is not anywhere near the level that they need to be playing at to be first-team squad members. Yep, 100%. So before we crack on to the, the next talking point, I just noticed something, Liam. Mm-hmm. And you'll, for those watching on YouTube, but for those also listening on a podcast app you can't see, Liam, he's rocking a Green Power Rangers outfit at the moment. Yeah. And... We know how much you love that, so I'll just let you say your piece on that front. All right, thanks. Um, yeah, I am wearing my, my Green Ranger hoodie, uh, just uh, in honour of the uh, the guy who played him, um, Jason David Frank, who sadly passed away last week. Um, and an even more tragic note, he was, um, he was a victim of suicide. And... Uh, remember, guys, it's okay not to be okay. Please talk about things if you're having a hard time you know um i never met the guy but i did get a signed picture from him um via my my brother who met him at a comic con a couple of years ago and said he was a lovely guy so uh yeah big influence on my childhood led to me taking up martial arts uh you know when i was like 10 years old i wanted to be the green ranger so i took up taekwondo that got me into kendo when i started university which got me into japan which led to me moving here so as I said to my wife the other day, cut a long story short, basically she and I got married because of the Green Ranger. So <laughs> so rest in peace, Dave, uh, Jason David Frank, and uh, thank you for uh, some great childhood memories. 100%. I know my younger brother used to love that show back in the day, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, so name of the episode, JJ or AJ? Josip Juranovic or Alistair Johnson? The next talking point is that we're being linked with a three million pound move for Alistair Johnson from CF Montreal. So, yeah, for me, I'm just reading through the info here. So it goes three million. There's a ten percent fee goes straight into the right back's pocket. So he's got a ten percent fee of his own deal. Mm-hmm. So if we pay three million, he'll get a three hundred thousand sign-on fee. Not bad. So, Shane. I have a feeling you would have watched the Croatia-Canada game. Am I right assuming that? I thought you would have, mate. Come on. Dropping the ball. No, I have dropped the ball. No. <laughs> so apologies. Oh, Liam, did you watch it? <laughs> uh, I watched uh, about 20 minutes highlights of it. Unfortunately, it was on at a very weird time for me. So I uh, wasn't yeah, able to take thing. it in. 
Um, I watched the the small highlights as well, but looking at the two of them going going on the same pitch, it was um, yeah. I actually reckon we're not going to be losing much if we were to lose Juranovic and then you know you chuck in Alistair Johnson. The only problem is that name sounds a bit Sevkoish for my liking. <laughs> <laughs> but the players came. Victor Wanyama's giving him the giving him the big up on the club, saying it's the biggest club that he's played at in his career. And if fans wants him, then happy days. I've got a, um, a message I'll quickly read from the list. I just got to get it open on my Twitter quickly. Where is it? From James Murphy, who tunes in all the time, lives in Canada. As a Celtic fan living in Canada, I've watched Alistair Johnson many times, and he is a no-nonsense type defender. He gets a 7, 8 out of 10 each game and will be a very good signing for Celtic. He's only 24 and will continue to improve under Ange. So that's the info I got from a guy who listens to the podcast all the time, every week, and he's got his feet on the ground watching him every match. It's like I will trust that feedback as much as I trust Liam about the guys in Japan and Shane about the guys over here in Australia. So it's some really good feedback there. What are your overall thoughts on the signing, Liam? Uh, yeah, I think it's a, a, a great signing. Um, we, you know, it's not inevitable that Juranovic is away, but it seems highly likely. But whatever he goes for, it's going to be a hell of a lot more than we've paid for Johnson. And seeing the two of them go up against each other, like you said, I don't think there's that much to choose between them in terms of overall quality. But we are going to get big money for Juranovic, especially if, I know, Jared, you won't be too chuffed if this happens, but if Croatia go on a run and get to like the last eight or the last four of the World Cup, his value is only going to go up. That's the only bonus for me. <laughs> All I have to say is that is the only bonus for me. Yes, I'm Australian, but I want to see Australia do well at the World Cup, but my country-in-law is Serbia. That's who I've been going for. I don't like. I don't really like... The Croatian team much so yeah let's uh let's just see what happens but yeah if they go on a good run the longer he stays in camp in the world cup the more Celtic gets paid to him by FIFA as well so there's another bonus for you <laughs> yeah my wife gives me a similarly hard time for supporting Korea at the world cup so yeah I'll, I know how you feel <laughs> <laughs> yeah but realistically though like there's not much difference there he comes in, he's a younger player. The talk is that um, his agent, there might be an agreement already in place with, I think it was Newcastle or someone like that I heard on the on the grapevine. But I have no idea if it's true. But if he was to go down there and, um, you know, make a move, if he goes for, as Edward is saying in the comments, I feel like a snake oil salesman asking for $15 million for Juranovic. Realistically, he'll go for eight figures. We paid two and a half for him. We spent three on the replacement. We're still up. So not really going to complain. Um, I think it pretty much says it all. If he doesn't want to be there, Granovich has been rumours that for a while. Ange won't, have, won't keep him around. But at the same time, if he wants to stay until the end of the season and then move in the summer, then... That'd be just like what we did last year when we brought in O'Reilly. We still had Rogic there, so we had that, that half a season to bed in, get used to everything, and then hit the ground running this season. So it could work. 
Juranovic might also like the kudos of signing off with another league title winner's medal because depending on where he goes, he might never win another one. Exactly. I think, I think it looks like a pretty decent signing. Like, uh, obviously, I don't know uh, Johnston that well. I don't watch the MLS that much. But, um, you know, just looking into his profile a little bit further, you know, he's well and truly established as himself in the... He'd moved to Nashville initially, became first-team player there, established himself at Montreal. Crucially, he's established himself in the Canadian national team, which over the last couple of years have got, has really gone from strength to strength, culminating in this World Cup berth for the first time in however many long, 40 or 50 years, I think. Apologies if I've got that wrong. So, um, 86 no, was the last one. Yeah, 86. So, yeah, yeah. no, all good. So, you know, almost 40 years, right? So, yeah. you know, he's he's been a big part of that kind of um, uptick in Canadian football. So that's that's something that I think we can really look for. And similar to Kobayashi in terms of, obviously, he's a little bit older than Kobayashi, I think. But, um, you know, 24, still young, a lot of uptick. Um, in terms of um, where his football journey and his progression goes. The one thing I will comment on, um, I'm, and I'm sort of borrowing this from a few other Celtic podcasts you mentioned as well this week, just um, he doesn't have the best poker face uh, when he was sort of linked. I don't know if anyone saw the. I think you must have seen it, Jared, when he was asked about Celtic and the big beaming smile came across his face and sort of then tried to kind of, I guess, play it down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, I, he's got a worse, worse poker face than me. That's bad. Uh, I just wonder how much Apple were paying him for that gratuitous mention of, oh, I'll have to get a, an upgrade on my iPhone 10. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm just looking at something while you were talking, Shane. And the other thing as well is, is, is five foot eleven as a right back. That's, That's a bit big. bigger than your average, I'm pretty certain, which will also help us a bit in Europe next year. Mm. I did take a look at a couple of highlights of him last night and I could have sworn in a couple of games that he was either leading the line or playing up front um, and that bigger bodied frame didn't look at a profile there. So um, yeah. no, I think it's really exciting. And it, he's, you know, um, look, Canada hasn't had the best of World Cups, but it seems like he's been relatively solid without being um, a superstar. But um, I think it's very exciting. And uh, if he does sign, it's, uh, it's another good and very shrewd signing. Yeah, so I just looked it up. Juranovic is um, it's five foot eight, so it's extra three whatever inches. So, yeah, happy days. That'll help us at corners, especially when you get – I was the thing in Europe that I noticed as well. Like, we just look small defending corners, and that because you had Taylor on one side, Juranovic on the other. So at least that balances it out a little bit more for us as well. Yeah, definitely. Aye. Uh, three inches goes a long way. Just ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, the goal was open. I had to take it. I apologize. And I'll try this now, Liam. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the goal was open. You had to take it. Yeah, <laughs> moving right along. Too many comments. Let, put them all in the comment section. Let us know. There's too many for us to say here. Uh, uh, they say that that's why shoe sizes in Japan are so messed up because most guys think that that is eight inches, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Kevin, Kevin Graham in the comments. JJ is only an inch taller than me, and I can't defend corners either. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> All right. So what we'll do, I know any, everyone who has tuned into our YouTube channel recently would have seen the bloke down the bottom of the screen, Liam and Laura Bradburn from A Celtic State of Mind, have been doing a um, World Cup preview series for every team mm. leading into the World Cup. So I want to give out a plug first of all, what we transition over to the uh, World Cup chat that we're going to have. And I just wanted to um, just general chit-chat because we've got Australia's playing Denmark tonight. So we'll start mm-hmm. there. Shane, what are our chances? There's a wave of optimism at the moment, which uh, we don't r- normally have, I think. Um, you know, our win against Tunisia, first win since 2010 in a World Cup. So first win for 12, 12 years. Um and all of a sudden, it just feels like anything's possible. Um, I ha- I have this horrible feeling in the back of my mind that it may not play out as we all wish and hope it will. But I'm genuinely bullish about our chances. I think we can get the result we need to to get through to this uh, round of 16. Um, I thought we looked really good against Tunisia, uh, particularly first half. I thought we... We're on top. We dictated terms. Second half, a little bit more about holding on. Um, they seemed to to get control of the game and actually had some midfield presence and we were kind of just battling a little bit there. The more it wore on, the more I felt we were kind of hanging on a little bit, but it still felt like a, a pretty momentous win. Denmark haven't looked the kind of usual team that we're familiar with uh, so far against France and Tunisia. But look, let's be honest, they've got well-quality players, of course, and particularly in the midfield. Um, you know, if if we let them actually dictate terms, I think we're going to have a rough time. But um, look, I'm quite bullish. I, I, I actually think we can get a result. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll win, but I think we can at least jag a draw. And assuming France uh, beats Tunisia, that will see us through to the next round. I was just about to go on on this one, Shane, because... France is top of the group, already qualified. Australia's in second on three points. Denmark and Tunisia are both third and fourth with um, one one draw, one loss. So if we were to beat Denmark, guaranteed second spot. If we draw with them and Tunisia, even if Tunisia was to beat France, Tunisia would jump up to four, four points. Australia draws, we're on four points, and we got head-to-head on Tunisia which means Denmark have to win to go through. Australia only has to draw. Unless I was mistaken, I thought uh, that this wasn't like, I thought that they actually did it on goal difference first and then went to head to head. If it's a two-way draw, in my understanding, it's a, it goes on the head to head. I'd have to double um, check. The BBC would contradict that. What I read, because I checked this this morning, the BBC were saying that it's, Goal, it's a goal difference, then goals scored, then head-to-head, then the number of yellow cards if teams can't be separated on points. So that actually, absolutely ridiculous, especially if you've beaten that team during the tournament. Like, yeah. Makes absolutely yeah. no sense. This is why conceding four against France is, uh, may, <laughs> may be, be our undoing. I stress may, of course. All yeah. I'm gonna I, say look, I, I think we're any... quite lucky. Oh, sorry, you go ahead, Jared. <laughs> now, all I was going to say is all I think is 
I don't expect anything to go our way, especially against Denmark. Like, and backs to the wall with everything they've gone through in the last couple of years with Ericsson and then having to qualify and all this sort of stuff to come in and then go out in straight sets like this. I can't see it happening. Australia have looked like we get into the front third and we just can't put it in the back of the net. So I don't know. I just, I could see our defense doing okay, but I just, it's that midfield and forward that I'm more worried about what Denmark's going to do. So yeah, realistically, to quote Kevin Graham here, not to shit on your cake, lads, but the Danes are a good side. Mm. Realistically, oh, if we were to get if we were to get a draw in this game, it's a bonus. Oh, look, you shouldn't underestimate. I think they're twelfth in the world, right? So I don't think anyone should underestimate them and go in with a false sense of of kind of assurance that we're going to match them pound for pound. I don't think that's the case, but I don't think they've um, reached their usual height. So last two things I'll say on it. Even if Tunisia were to drag, or obviously Tunisia uh, dragging a result against France wouldn't be great, but France isn't the kind of team I think that would just um, kind of coast, even though that they've qualified. I think that they would still put a relatively strong team out on the park and want to win. Um, I don't think they would dally with their form like that. And the other thing I'd say on Australia's front is if we go in and attempt to play for the result, i.e. play for a draw, we will lose. Mm. Balls to the wall football. Get out there. You know, just have a crack. Yep. I don't want to see typical Graham Arnold football, all this, <laughs> you know, try and control the game. No, go out there, go hell for leather and try and score first. Yep. Put more pressure on them. I want to bring up a comment here from Kevin Graham talking about him saying the Danes walked Scotland's qualifying group. Yeah, that is true. My um, comment, just to be a smart-ass, Kevin, when did you last in the World Cup? <laughs> nah. When, when was the last time we had to beat Saudi Arabia and Peru to qualify? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? Hey, Liam, you know what's I, funny? I'm just saying this to be a smart-ass, right, because I don't uh, – I did not give the slightest bit of a shit about if Australia qualified for this World Cup, as long as Graham Arnold's in that chair, playing yeah. on the team. I don't really – I want my team to do well, but I don't want them to do well for him. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if you have a live view account, but just I was just curious after you made that comment about Scotland whether, like, the live view account just, like, really <laughs> decreased or something like that. <laughs> it actually has only dropped off one. So, bye, Kevin. That has been a smart-ass, but anyway um, – Anything? Any other teams that you've seen so far in the World Cup that you want to just talk about? Well, you, I was just going to say that I think for Japan, it's a similar situation to Australia. That a draw might be enough to get us through, depending on what happens with the with the Costa Rica Germany game. But Japan should not play on that assumption. They should go out and if we beat Spain, not only we're we through, we win the group. Um, you know, it's. <laughs> It's unlikely, but then again, last week I think it was similarly unlikely that we would beat Germany. And Japan are one of the teams, um, a bit like Australia from time to time, actually, that they seem to play better when they're really up against it and they seem to kind of shit the bed when they play against a team they're expected to beat. Um, So really that's kind of... I actually... 
I'm not confident, but I'm quite optimistic about Japan's chances of getting out of that group. I really, it would be an absolute crime if, if they didn't get out of it after beating Germany the way they did. Um, so I so I brought know. up all the um, current group standings, right? Mm. So we'll quickly go through them. So in Group A, Netherlands and Senegal have already have they've played all their games. Those two have got through. Yeah. Group B, England and the USA got through. Group C onwards still to play for. So you got Poland first on four points, Argentina and Saudi Arabia on three points, Mexico on one. So who yeah. do we think will go through from there, guys? Shane, what do you think? Oh, Argentina for sure, and Poland. You reckon they? Right. Um. I would agree, if not for the fact that Poland and Argentina are playing each other, and I think Argentina will win because they want to make sure they're getting through. Um, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna stick my neck out because I'm a completely two-faced get. And last week I said they were the worst team in the tournament. Then they went out and beat Argentina. So I'm gonna tip Saudi to see off Mexico and get through with Argentina. Argentina will beat Poland. Saudi will beat Mexico. Argentina won Saudi too. Yeah, so it'll put them onto six points each, and that puts Poland down into third spot. Yeah. We're just talking about Group D. So France is in first on six points, Australia second on three, Denmark and Tunisia on one each. So how do we think that's going to end up, guys? Oh, I'm biased, but France, Australia, uh, Denmark, Tunisia. So how it is? Yep. I am... I'm conflicted with this one because Denmark are kind of my second team after Japan at this tournament. And I'll, I'll say it, as an Australian, it's going to go France, Denmark, Australia, Tunisia. I'm going to recycle that old Frank McAvenny quote. My heart says Denmark, my head says Australia, my nose says Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know Colombia, didn't even qualify and we're still making cocaine jokes about them. <laughs> Um, no, right. they, um, I, I think I think Australia will do it. I think Australia will do it because I think it might be a draw tonight, but I think that's all you need. So, uh, I, uh, I'm i actually just, really looking forward to this game tonight. I think it's going to be a cracker. I was just saying that to be controversial. I wanted to see Shane's face when I said that for you. But yeah, I hope it's... <laughs> Look, as I said, because it's my country, I want Australia to do well. I want us to get through, mm. but I don't want us to get through for Graham Arnold because he is, he is a shit bloke. Hmm. I don't disagree. All right. Group yeah. E, or as I call this pre-tournament, the World War II bad guys group and Costa Rica. <laughs> Spain, oh, Germany. That's currently Spain top on four. Japan second on three points. Costa Rica on three. Germany on one in last. Mm. So Germany, who have they got? Costa Rica. Germany's got Costa Rica. Yep. So if they win that, they could end up on four points, which will mean Spain's safe. And then it comes down to Japan versus Spain, whoever. So it's going to be a close one. So for me, I'm looking at this going, it'll be Spain and it will be Spain and Costa Rica will get through. There you go. Sorry, Japan. If Japan wasn't playing Spain, I would have uh, would have gone for them. Sorry. What do you reckon, Liam? 
Uh, and if your if your auntie had balls, she would be whatever she wants to be because we are a gender fluid society. Um, <laughs> no, um, I think um, uh, it's the thing is if Japan beats Spain, Spain will probably be out because I think Germany mm. will beat Costa Rica. So if I'm going to stick to my gut and go with Japan to beat Spain, then I'm going to have to tip Japan and Germany to go through. I don't there actually think that's, that's right, Liam. Guess why? If Germany win, that puts them on four points. Right. Level with Spain, right? Oh, but Spain rolled Spain... seven past Costa Rica, so they need to beat... Spain's got a, yeah, plus seven goal difference. Right. So, so basically, Japan would have to win by like three goals, and then Germany would have to win by five or something to overturn that. Costa Rica looked crap, though, even against Japan. So I could, I could see Germany scoring five tonight if they had to, you know? Costa Rica with their minus six goal difference. Mm. <laughs> yes, anyway. Yeah. See how that one plays out. Group F, Croatia on top, Morocco in second, Belgium in third, Canada last, cannot progress. So who's playing each other in these games? I'll bring them up quickly. Croatia, Belgium. Yeah, the, it's the, the big game to watch. Yeah, Croatia, Belgium. Hmm. So I'm saying Morocco will be going through. They'll win their game and end up on seven. Belgium will win their game and end up second, and Croatia's out. <laughs> Not the slightest shred of bitterness in that comment, was <laughs> And Liam? Uh, no, I'm going to go for Croatia to beat Belgium and uh, uh, Morocco to get through in second place. I think Belgium are out on their arse. They have not turned up at this tournament. Yeah, I would actually been... agree with you from being serious. <laughs> They've probably been the biggest disappointment of the tournament, uh, tournament Belgium. They... Um... They flatter mm. to deceive, and uh, I think they will miss out. I think uh, Croatia and Morocco go through. Hashtag yeah. Martinez out. <laughs> yep. Mm. Group G. Brazil on top with six points. Switzerland in second on three. Cameroon third on one. Serbia in fourth with one point. This could be a nasty game, to be honest with you. Hmm. Serbia, Switzerland. Do you guys remember what happened at the last World Cup? Oh, yes. <laughs> Devin Shakiri and some other bloke doing oh, some, yeah. um, doing some, yeah. you know, Is Albanian it... symbols and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that could get a little narky. I'm saying Serbia to win that, end up on four points. Brazil to win their game against Cameroon. And Brazil and Serbia will go through. And if I'm being serious and actually being legit, probably Switzerland will go through in second spot, but he's hoping it's Serbia. I I definitely fancy Serbia to beat Switzerland because I I think that Serbia have got the the player. I mean, you know, Mitrovic hasn't really shown anything at this tournament yet, and you know what he can do. Um, Switzerland, apart from Mbolo and Xhaka, there's not really... I don't know. It's not a squad that really excites me, you know. Um, it's the midfield area where I think Serbia will get on top of that game with Blankovic, Savic, and the other guys in there, and 
Tadich and all those sort of blokes. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I definitely think Serbia will win that game. It's a question of whether that will be enough to get them through. Um, sorry, Shane, on you go. Oh, no, so you're right, mate. Uh, I was just going to say, I, Switzerland's definitely there for the taking. I just have this horrible feeling, um, you know, uh, conceding those two goals to Cameroon after being 3-1 up might unfortunately be what costs Serbia a place in the second round. So I think it might be Brazil and Switzerland. Well, that's the issue Serbia's got at the moment. They're a negative two goal difference. You take those two out, Shane, and there you have it. Yep. You're pretty much there um, if you jag yep. that result. And Group H, Portugal on top. They're through. Ghana in second. South Korea and Uruguay. Liam, what do you um, think here? Come on, hmm. say South Korea. Just say if your missus is listening. No, I actually really, I, I hope Korea get through because I do like the, the way they play the game. Um, but Ghana have really impressed me. Um, Uruguay just... They've no turned up. And since they can't win the group anymore, I don't give a shit what happens to them so they can get knocked out. Um, oh, Ghana or Korea? I think it will be Ghana, but I hope it will be Korea. Put it that way. So Korea and Portugal are playing each other mm. and Ghana and Uruguay. So Ghana will beat Uruguay, which will put yeah. them onto six points. Portugal is yeah. already on six points. So if that happens, no matter what happens in the Korea game, they can't close the difference. Aye, yeah. so they need, they need Uruguay to do them a favour, which I don't think Uruguay are capable of doing because they look like a spent force. So, Yeah. Yeah, Portugal and Ghana to get through. All right. So the old uh, World Cup chat is over. Thanks to everyone who stuck with it. <laughs> now, it's time for Zombie Watch. <laughs> so we go. There's been a bit going on over at Sevco recently. Um, I was going to rattle off a couple of couple of little things that have stuck in my mind. Hmm. Cross, Rangers sued by Sydney Super Cup promoters as Rao overscrapped old firm media release with Celtic laid bare. Hmm. They're being sued for £1.7 million for not coming. Hey, hey, go you Aussies. Reckon. <laughs> the other one. Rangers sued for 9.5 million by former kit supplier as Judger orders club to disclose kit sales figures. So when they were with Elite Sports Limited, who arranged their humble stuff. Mm. They're going to administration now, that Elite Sports mob. Guess what? Goes to the lawyers and there's no negotiation on the fee now. <laughs> and just to round it off, Beal Ball. <laughs> so what we'll do, we'll quickly chat about that. Liam, what's My, your thoughts on Michael Beal's appointment? Uh, well, the, the highlight for me has been has been the memes of of, of EastEnders Ian Beal crying like a baby. You're saying it's all right, mate. It's Michael Beal that after. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, his uh, his whole thing about loyalty, um, you know, and then mm. he just QPR for the Huns. Um, they never learn, do they? Because they'll be they'll, they will be spitting feathers in like eighteen months' time when he either gets sacked or leaves them for another team. 
um, because the guy the guy clearly has no personal integrity. Um, so it's uh, yeah, they, they just never learn. They never learn, and they won't be told by anybody outside their immediate fascist circle. So no, I'm just going to sit back and watch the fireworks and enjoy it. <laughs> I saw a meme, and it was saying, "Yeah, I'm still a yeah, I'm, It was like Queens Park Rangers question mark. I thought I was a Glasgow Rangers. There was that meme as well, which was all right. But Shane, what's your thoughts? Uh, oh, it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, his recent run of form at QPR, he's not exactly set the world on fire there. Um, doesn't seem what I've read that they're, that they're too happy to lose him. Uh, so I don't think he's the um, kind of messiah that they're probably thinking he is. Uh, I'm not too sure that if he gets to the end of this season, whether he... Uh, continues on next season anyway, to be honest, if they uh, uh, don't markedly improve. So like Liam, I'm just happy to sit back and uh, watch what happens uh, with Glee. We're missing the biggest question here, though, guys. With uh, with Van Bronckhurst out the door, what are they going to do for a Christmas elf for their video? <laughs> Sorry. Jared, over to you. <laughs> <laughs> My thoughts on it was this, okay? Brendan Rogers leaves and then takes his coaching staff with him. End of that interim period when Neil Lennon was there. If Lenny wasn't appointed in the showers and suddenly Chris Davies, our former assistant manager under Rogers, came back up the road to manage us, that's the situation Rangers are in now. No, makes no sense. We all said that he was the brains behind Gerard. Well, that's not hard because there's just no brain activity in Gerard's head. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out. But I'm expecting this section to be clipped by some of the, the blue nose variety and have at it. Yeah. You know, he'll be the third head, you know, that Angel be holding ne- this time next year. Um, have fun with that. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's Zombie Watch. Thought we'd talk some Scottish football. That one the Celts. So we got a couple of uh, questions. Yeah, but before we jump into that, I'm just going to bring this up. Ian Bill will do a better job. <laughs> and talking early on about Scotland not making the World Cup, Kevin Graham was. We're boycotting over moral issues. <laughs> uh, looking forward to seeing England boycott the tournament beyond round two as well, hopefully. <sighs> All right, so Twitter questions. From Tony Casty. we need better players for the UCL. January is probably the best time to sign them. Who should we sign? So I think we all agree. We've discussed it previously. We need to strengthen the spine of the team. Mm-hmm. So centre-back, central defensive midfielder, and another striker. I think that's pretty much what we've agreed on previous podcasts. Do you guys still agree with that? Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's get our let's get our brains going for a couple of minutes here. And Shane, you can take the striker position. Liam, you can have midfield and I'll pick a defender. 
and let's just pick one if we can think of it who we think would be a good signing for us for next year in the Champions League. Mm. While that's happening, I'll just play some sound effects from Sean in Sydney while we have a think. Our scandal, our scandal, our scandal, our scandal, our scandal, our scandal. All right. Liam, you got anyone? Hey, give me two minutes. I'm just double checking that this guy is available. I have to be available. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I said I'll take the defense, right? Mm. I think we've already signed that from Kobayashi, right? So mm. I'm going to cheat and I'm going to jump onto the goalkeeper. <laughs> All right. And there's a guy who's uh, playing tonight against Denmark who I still would love to see at Celtic in Matt Ryan. Get him in, Ange. Shane, you got an answer? Your midfield? No, no one immediately springs... No one immediately springs to mind. Like, we need... What we need up front is someone who, you know, the the thing that's come up, I'm going to try and talk my way out of this hole, right? The thing that's come up is that we haven't been able to finish. We haven't been clinical enough. We need someone that's going to be able to put the ball in the back of the net, um, you know, just like that. So we need to finish it. Like, like for example, I'm not saying we sign him, but Jamie McLaren, for example, that kind of operator in the box, no. I know, no, no, I'm just hear me out. You know, I someone know, who can I know, actually I know score. What you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. We're not, we're not. I don't, I don't want to sign him. Just trust me. I'm, I'm 100. You know, I get it, you. So it's the player you want. Yeah, and even like, uh, uh, obviously, he's gone to Newcastle, but Grand Quoll, I thought would have been excellent there, just with his pace, his electric pace, right? But he's a good finisher. Like, uh, you watch him, and some of the goals he scored, he can finish no matter where he is. It doesn't look like that he's a um, he doesn't look like he lets the moment get to him. He, his radar, for lack of a better term, is really good. So that's the kind of player we'd be after. No immediate names kind of spring to mind, though. I think he would have been perfect because I was saying we need someone to be that third striker to come in under Kyogo and Jakimakis for the next six months to then make mm. their leap forward next year. So he could have been that. Off the back of that, Selic Rivers, how much do you think Mudrick would cost? Probably out of our budget. The links are he's being sold to Arsenal for I've seen somewhere between forty to fifty million pound. Yeah, we're not going just to a little bit out of our budget. Mm. And the, the, sorry, Lee, you go ahead. No, I was gonna say, um, defensive midfielder. Um I would like to see us go for this guy who I've seen play a couple of times. Um I'm just trying to get the pronunciation of his name correct. Give me a wee second here. Ibrahim Sangare of PSV Eindhoven. He's an Ivory Coast international. Tough tackling midfielder, has a good eye for goal as well, um, but primarily a defensive midfielder. Um, PSV, you know, he is one of their best players, so we're probably talking 8 to 10 million range, but that's doable in our current budget. Um, Now, if we're talking attacking options, a guy that I'd like to see us go for, who is a wee bit older but brings that wee bit of experience, who we've seen score at Celtic Park before but not for Celtic, is the 
former Russian international Denis Cherishev. Um, Ex-Real Madrid, ex-Valencia, now currently playing for uh, Venezia in Serie B. Um, 31 years old, but uh, can play left wing, can play attacking mid, can play central mid. Um, loves a free kick. We don't really have a designated kind of free kick taker at the moment. Um, especially if Juranovic goes, that's probably our, our best free kick option out the door. Um, yeah, Cherishev is a guy with bags of talent. Um, absolutely ran the show for Russia at the World Cup four years ago. And given the current state of things, Russian players will not cost very much to pick up. Now, on the back of what you've said there, Cherishev. Hmm. Okay, good player. I agree with you. He would yeah. fit the bill. My question is, how would he fit into Ange's pressing system? That is my one concern. Because mm. Ange does like to have guys with young legs to do that. So uh, Cherishev's not the fastest. That, that's definitely that's what my concern is. Because from what I can remember of him, mm. it'd be like having Moy playing in that position. Yeah. Yeah, you so got then a point I so then I flip it back to your defensive midfield option, the guy at PSV. Yeah. I haven't seen much of him, right? So I can't comment. Mm. My only concern, defensive midfielder, Ivorian. Mm. The last two we've signed. Yeah. Ismaili Soro and Abui Kawasi. Both of them, defensive midfielders, both Ivorian. Hasn't mm. worked well for us. His third time the charm, Liam. Well, by the law of averages, we've got to sign a good one eventually, so might as well keep going. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that this guy looks good from what I... I've, admittedly, I have only seen a couple of games where he's played, um, and it was earlier on in the season. Um, he was briefly linked with Man United during the summer, but it didn't happen. Um, but I don't think it would be that kind of funny money we'd be talking about to get him now, because PSV are not... You know, they're not looking like they're going to win the, the Dutch League this year. So Champions League for them is borderline. Will they get it? Will they not? So if they don't, he's probably going to be looking to move on. So we could step in there. I think at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to making the Champions League, selling the project. But Ange isn't the sort he's going to sell it. He'll talk to a player, be like, this is what we're doing. This is what we're about. This is our you know, pile of work we've done the last two years. Do you want to be part of it or not? Yes or no? If they say yes, bang, get in. If they say no, on to the next one. He'll have a list of three or four players ready to go. Yeah, so, definitely. yeah, we're good though. We need to strengthen that. And I think he'll um, continue with this kind of unique way that Ange has of being able to kind of, uh, I'm not going to say pluck from obscurity, that's a bit unfair, but kind of maybe sign these players that you wouldn't initially spring to mind or go, oh, they're going to be our signing. Uh, you know, from his time at Brisbane when he was uh, coaching Brisbane Raw here or managing Brisbane Raw here, you know, he signed the likes of Thomas Broich, who turned out to be possibly one of the best, if not the best player this league has ever seen. He uh, brought Bessart Barisha in, whose career, you know, hadn't hit any heights really, to be fair, until he came to Brisbane. Ange knows a player. He knows a, a player that's got quality. And crucially, he knows a player that's going to work um, with his system that not only can they benefit him, but he can also bring them up to another level. And, you know, I can see that happening again. Yeah, Yeah, go for it. Yeah, please. Those Just for the people over in Scotland listening in who don't know who those two players are, that's why I'm jumping in. 
Besar Berisha come out, career journeyman, played a little bit in Belgium, a little bit in Holland, predominantly second tier in Germany his whole career. Thomas Breutsch, German youth international, had a bunch of injuries young, majority of his career second tier in, in Germany as well. Breutsch would be the best import player in the history of the league in my opinion. If not, if he's not the best, he'd be definitely top two. Best up, Berisha, all-time leading goal scorer in the league, in the A-League over here. So that's the level of what Shane's talking about and the accomplishments of these guys in the Australian League. I just wanted to add that in there, Shane, for context for people listening in who don't know the A-League. But back no, to what I, no, thanks for thanks for doing that. Um, uh, but also just to add some further context to it on a, on a little bit of a similar vein, for those who aren't aware of the league over here, we don't have a, a transfer system set up between clubs. So basically the only way another A-League player can sign between each club is that they get released from their contract and the other club signs and we don't have a transfer system. Uh, but what we do have uh, is sort of a, what we call a marquee uh, sort of contract space here as well where you can basically sign a player. You've, we've got a salary cap league and then you can sign a player and the wages that you pay that player are outside of that salary cap. I don't think during his time at Brisbane, during his incredible run, uh, when they went 36, 36 games unbeaten and became the best team in the country, I don't think for once during Andrew's time there that he utilised the marquee slot. He knew to get players. He knew what players he was looking for. What I'm sort of saying is he doesn't go out and go and, you know, these marquee spots for, for people like Harry Kuehl and really kind of significant players with the, that would cost a lot of money to get them in. It's not really something Ange necessarily looks for. He looks for what's going to work for our team and our project as a whole, not so much the name and, and the costing involved. Yep. As Liam said said in the past, Ange builds teams, not builds about the team, not about the player. Yep. Yeah, give, give me a player who is, uh, you know, maybe not well-known particularly, but is willing to fully buy into Ange's idea over a superstar who's going to come in and not do as he's told. Um, yep. You know? Yep. All right, next question. I think we touched on this earlier from Peter Lacey, but would you sign Jens on a permanent deal and move Welsh on? The numbers suggested not a lot between them. Welsh adds to our European homegrown numbers, and from memory, his better passing stats. I think Jens has greater potential to develop and is more athletic. It's Jens for me. And then he goes, I'm assuming we won't keep all of CCV staff help while she ends in Kobayashi. I think we touched on that earlier, but let's just quickly go around on that to recap. So, Liam? If it's a binary choice between the two, I take Jens over Welsh every day of the week. But the the Scottish player quota complicates that. Um, or rather, the homegrown player quota complicates that. Uh, I actually don't think either of them will be at Celtic next season. Shane? Yeah, I agree with Liam. Like, if it's a choice between the two, I'm picking Jens over Welsh. But uh, with the current situation and Kobayashi coming in, uh, I don't see Jens continuing on. I look at it and go, if, say, Welsh moves on, Boston Orwell comes in the squad full-time, covers off that homegrown, as we said earlier. But, yeah, Jens is going to depend on if Carter Vickers is here next season or not. Yeah. Last question from Sean, who's not on the pod tonight. 
What are some potential untapped markets we haven't ventured into yet? Central America, China, etc. For me, I'd love to see us do a um, do a massive. Okay, so we've been to Japan. Hmm. We've signed players from there. I'd love to see us put a bit more effort and time in down, say Argentina, Brazil, trying to find those those gems to come through. You know, the guys who are going over to, say, your Portugal. And are going to like your Benficas and your Portos and that. Have a look at those sort of guys. But I'd also like us to go and look. If Johnson comes in and does well coming across from the MLS, then that's an area I want us to look at because we've had players leave us like Lewis Morgan and, you know, Patrick Clamella and those sort of guys go across to the MLS and be at a decent level there. So it shows that the league's kind of a, a crossoverable, if that makes sense. What do you think, Shane? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head for me. The one I was going to say is North America. Um, I think with Alistair Johnson being a pertinent talking point, um, I don't watch the MLS as much as I used to, but, you know, when I'd previously caught it and sort of been involved in it, it's always a league that sort of fascinated me. Um, I guess from an Australian point of view, we draw a lot of parallels between ourselves and the MLS. And, um, you know, I think, for what it's worth, the MLS, of course, is is a long way ahead of the, the A-League at the moment in terms of quality and so forth. It's, it, maybe not a long way ahead. That might be a bit unfair, but I think it's definitely ahead. Um, it's definitely one of those leagues we compare ourselves to and look to in terms of um, uh, commonalities, if you will. But I think, you know, watching a, a games previously, um, the quality is pretty good. Um, and there's a lot of players that are coming through there that I think um, not a lot of other markets have tapped into necessarily. So I'd be looking at North America. Liam? Um, well, we uh, because of Ange being Australian, the A-League is getting talked about as a potential well for future signings. Uh, because we've already dipped into the J-League several times, there's talk of that. But in the sort of Asia-Pacific region, which is, I guess, kind of my specialist area, if you like, I think the K-League has kind of flown under the radar. Um, I would like to see us go back. I left that one for you, Liam. left that one for you. I'd like to see us go back into Korea. Because the thing is as well, watching watching South Korea the other night, they they were unlucky against Ghana. It was a really good game. Um, Whoever that wee striker is that scored the two headers, we should look at him. He looked good. Um, But um, you will have a similar level of athleticism and commitment and professionalism from the Korean players as you will the Japanese players. Um, but you will also have a bit more of a physical edge. Korean players are generally that wee bit more powerful and assertive than Japanese players. Now, I'm generalising there, but just if you watch the average K-League game versus the average J-League game, the K-League is more physical. Um, so if you want players who have that that the Japanese work ethic but perhaps more of a European physicality about them, the K-League is is the place to go. So last time we went there, we signed, was it, Ki Sung Jung? I think that was his full name. And Chadouri. And Chadouri. And the only thing I remember about Chadouri is he had a decent song. <laughs> That's about it. It wasn't, wasn't much job, yeah. but... He yeah, unfortunately like the got off the plane and said, people call me the human weapon, and it just went downhill from there. <laughs> Set the bar up here. <laughs> Perform down here. Yeah. yeah. 
No, nah, it's one of them where, yeah, K-League's a good shout. I was actually going to say it. I thought, no, nah, I've got to leave something for Liam there. But, <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of – there's some good quality players throughout the um, the Middle East as well we could talk about. But I don't know enough about it to actually say that. So, for me, yeah, North America, K-League, stay away from China and India. Their leagues are rubbish. Yeah, China is China's at the elite, at mm. the stage Japan was at twenty years ago. It's all it's all money at the moment, and it hasn't had time to develop um, domestic players yet. Go back to China in ten or fifteen years. So realistically, the way I see it is, Shane was talking about the MLS and the A League with the salary cap stuff. The A League is kind of like half based on the J League and half based on the MLS. That's the way I look at the way it works. We're probably. 10 years ahead of or five, five to 10 years ahead of where the Chinese league is at the moment. But those other two leagues are probably a good 10 years ahead of us. So there's, there's some talent, as you can see all through Scotland, there's seven guys playing in Scotland who are in the Socceroos squad at the world cup. So there's talent there as well, but yeah, it's just a matter of, I'm sure Angel, Angel knows a lot about it. doesn't need to hear about it from us, but yeah, there's plenty of talent out there. I think that's the big kind of difference between Australia, for example, Australia, Japan, and Korea. If you look at the squads, Japan and Korea are about 50-50 in terms of domestic and foreign players, whereas Australia, I think, leans a bit more heavily on the foreign-based players, don't they? We have to because it's yeah. recycling league over here. As Shane was saying, there's no. They've only just brought in transfers between clubs. They've only just started allowing loans two year seasons ago over here between clubs up until the COVID shutdown where you couldn't get the foreigners coming in. It was all the teams would load up on top end, five players, five international players in their team. And then they'd just recycle guys from other clubs who were starters to come and be bench players that would be in there. There wasn't much youth development coming through. You hit the COVID seasons and most of the clubs had well, the average age was 23 years old. Suddenly, it went from an like average age of 29, 30 down to 23, and there was a lot of youth guys coming through, which is what we're starting to see, those guys going off into Europe and progressing over there now. So that's actually helped the game here. Mm. But since this season, it started to go up. Like the average age of all the teams in the league now is 27 again, so it's gone the other way. So it's a bit of a tough one. But yeah. when, when when Ange came in, uh, when he took over the Socceroos squad, there was a much better focus on on bringing in uh, players who were, or including players who were in the A-League. The two managers we'd had prior to that, so Holger Osiek and Inver Bake, who's no longer with us, um, you know, they were both uh, fairly negative on the A-League and much more inclined to pick those who were at overseas clubs whereas Ange was much more about let's start bringing our, our younger A-League players through, and so there was a great emphasis on it. And this, the current Socceroos squad that's that's over there at the moment, there's got to be at least four or five who have only made the move overseas within the last, you know, six to 12 months. So it's not as if they were sort of in the A-League, then went overseas for a couple of years, then got picked for Australia. So the likes of Bacchus, Rolls, Quoll, um, they were all at the A-League last season and then their stellar form had them go over to Scotland. If we go, if we go back to the start of last season when Ange came to Scotland, when you go back to that point, yeah. you said Rolls. You also said on Atkinson, Devlin. Yep. Devlin wasn't even a starting player in the A-League. 
at Brisbane. Consistent starting player. Atkinson wasn't either. And these guys have gone over, they're playing at hearts week in, week out, and now they're at a World Cup. There yeah, Gabby Devlin in particular is, is superb. Like, I've got nothing but but high praise for him, and he's going to be a, a long-time player for a, a long-time uh, first-team player for the Socceroos. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you're totally spot on. So that that emphasis, again, on on players coming through in the A-Leagues there, and even the likes of Qual, who we chatted about just before, you know, um, you know, he was he'd been missed by the local clubs in Melbourne. He was playing for a, a regional town, or had come from a regional town, been missed by the local clubs. Got his opportunity at Central Coast uh, in New South Wales, and then literally, you know, within the space of twelve months, he's gone from you know just starting at Central Coast to now being signed for Newcastle United. Um, and that's where his brother, you know, his brother as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And, and these boys went Shepherd in, in Victor- country Victoria. And then they couldn't get to any spot in the Sydney clubs or in the Melbourne clubs, end up at Central Coast, which is probably the, the poorest club in the league. They come in. Alloa, the older brother, he did that well that he got moved off to Germany. Mm. And then Arang, his younger brothers, come in, replaced him. Six months later, he signed at Newcastle United. That's got to underline that there's quality here and you, there is a lot of quality young kids coming through and they've just got to get that chance. Yep, 100%. Anyway... We'll leave it there. Thanks to everyone for tuning in the Celtic Down Under podcast. We appreciate it. You can find us on Facebook. We've got a Facebook group and a page, Celtic Down Under. Look for the Boxing Kangaroo. Instagram and Twitter, you can find us at Celtic Down. YouTube, you can go there, subscribe to Celtic Down Under podcast on there. Just look up our channel. Uh, our website, the one on the screen here, Celtic Down Under is not working, but we have a, uh, a shop with T-shirts and hoodies on it. I'll just quickly bring up the address there. So it's www.sotdownunder.square.site. That has your hoodies and that, which is all print on demand. So check the size and charts, order them if you want to support the show. Other than that, thanks, Shane. Thanks, Liam, for tuning in. Get a final thought from you, Shane. Final thoughts all around the Socceroos. It's, uh, we're only a couple of hours away now. It'll be 2 a.m. kickoff here. So um, I'll definitely be up and tuning in. It's not a question of whether I watch it. It's a question of whether I grab a, a nap before or just simply power through. Um, but really looking forward to it and uh, on the Socceroos. Liam? Yeah, uh, wish Socceroos all the best tonight. Hope you get a result. And uh, we shout out for Japan. Um, playing Spain, I think, is it tomorrow night? And I think uh, so. Can't yeah. remember. I'll... Uh, I'll teach us a wee bit of Japanese. Watashitachi no hi ga kimasu. Which means that's uh, Chucky Arla in Japanese. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're going to say. Ambulance or whatever it is. Ambulance. Ambulance or something like that. I remember that. It's some Japanese oh, yeah. odd. Anyway. <laughs> um, for me, just, um, just want to say... Thanks to everyone for subscribing on the YouTube channel. We've seen some great growth lately. Uh, please share the pod around. Refer us to your friends if you like what we're doing. So we appreciate all your support. And Mon Australia, but not Graham Arnold. Hell, hell. Hell, hell. Hell, hell.
Our scandal. Our scandal. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.